We're just going to read that one verse and then we've got another passage we're going to read. But Romans chapter 6, verse 11. It says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead, indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Dead to sin, alive to God. Dead to sin, alive to God. And we reckon it by faith. We count on it as being so. It's not something we manufacture. It's not something we wish it were so. It is a fact. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. We have to reckon it by faith. If I'm born again, the only way I can have new life is that Christ bringing that new life into me. And He's working to bring death to that old man and, and the life of Christ may be fully experienced and known and matured in my, in my life and in your life. And so we reckon it to be so through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Second, First Timothy chapter 6. Verse 6, this is really what we're going to talk about tonight. I believe the Lord has a word for us, amen, from, from this lesson tonight. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, we'll just read one verse. It says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We're going to talk about the, the working of the cross to bring about contentment in our lives. Because it is, it is uh, a hard lesson to learn. It is a hard thing to attain, I guess you would say. I don't know if it's hard so much as that we, it's a rare thing to find someone that's truly content. So I looked up the word contentment. It means satisfaction and sufficiency. Satisfaction or sufficiency. And so if I'm content, that means I'm gonna I'm I'm satisfied. If I'm content, I'm satisfied. And we we know we need to know the word of God. What is what is valuable? What is valuable? Because the Lord says godliness with contentment is great gain. If I if I think that other things are going to be great gain, and I think that other things are going to bring about satisfaction other than what God's Word says, then I'm, I'm mistaken. And I'll be spending my life, even as a Christian, I could be spending my life barking up the wrong tree, so to speak. I can spend my life seeking after things that are vain, that don't satisfy, that don't produce contentment in my life. They're not going to fulfill. They're not going to satisfy. The Lord knows what satisfies a human being. He does. The Bible says the Lord satisfies the longing soul and He fills the hungry soul with goodness. Who does it? God does it. The Lord does it. So we need to get into the Word. We need to know the Bible better. We need to know the Bible better. And we need to start saying, okay, Lord, this is what You say is going to satisfy me as Someone that you created in your image and that you know, every hair of my head, this is what's going to satisfy me. I thought this was going to satisfy me. Even as a Christian, I've always heard this was going to satisfy. And yet, godliness with contentment is great gain. It means our great acquisition. We've really gotten something, we've really acquired something. Um, and I think a lot of times we fail to realize that. We, we look at that as maybe a little thing. A little thing. But it's not a little thing. Uh, godly contentment is great gain. 
And so say, so oh, maybe I don't, I'm not really content. We don't think it's a big deal, but we can because of our lot in life is the way I put it. The cards that we feel like we were dealt by the Lord, the current circumstances and situations we're in, and you can fill in the blanks of my health and my, uh, you know, whatever it is. And we're not content. We're not content. And what we're doing, in a sense, is refusing to let the cross of the Lord work in us to bring us death. Maybe He's allowed us to be in that circumstance or situation for a time, for a season. We all do. We could point and say, what's, what's, what are some of the trials you've been through? And we'd be here all, all night, right? What are some of the trials you're in right now today? And what are the, some of the trials you just came out of? Or maybe everything's going great for you and you look to your neighbor and you say, they're really going through it right now. All those things in the life of a believer, if we'll let those things, would be the, the working of the cross, so to speak, by the Spirit of God to, to bring about death in that area to, to where we would find our contentment in Christ alone. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And I, I think our key scripture for tonight is going to be Philippians. I want you to turn there. Philippians chapter 4. Let's read Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I speak in respect of want or lack, is what he's saying. I'm not speaking as one who's lacking anything. For I have learned... In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content, therewith to be satisfied, therewith to view my life and, and my state and my circumstances as being sufficient, as being uh, satisfactory. And he had to learn that. I know both how to be abased or humbled or down lowly, and I know how to abound. And that could be in every area of life. That could be in his health. That could be in uh, his prominence among people. That could be in his ministry where things were going great. And other times when it seemed like they weren't going great. That could be in his financial circumstances. He's got a lot of friends. Maybe at some time has no, everybody's forsaken him at another time. He says, and I think in 2 Timothy, at his first defense, no man stood with him. Nevertheless, the Lord stood by me. Uh, so he says, I've learned in every state that I am therewith to be content. I know how both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed by who? By the Holy Ghost, by the Lord, by the Word of God, by the inner inner man of, of the Lord Jesus in our lives, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He knows how to do both. And the way to do both is to be content in those circumstances and situations. The way to, to, to do that, to know how to do it, is by the grace of God. The way that we do that is because it's not just me, it's Christ in me. It's, it's I can rejoice because the Lord's allowed me to go through this and I know He's not left me nor forsaken me. He has got it. He's not only got it, my circumstance, He's got me. He's got it all. He says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, I know that you've heard this, and I know that I've been around uh, schools enough and 
you know, sports and locker rooms and that kind of thing, both in my own life and in my boys' lives and so forth. And, and a lot of times there, people look at a verse like that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, almost like a little slogan, like a little good luck, luck charm. It's almost like something you just plaster on a t-shirt or the wall of the, the workout room because the coach wants you to max out more on your bench or something. I can do all things. I don't really think that that's what it's talking about. He just told us what it's talking about. I've learned to be abased and how to, to abound. I've learned to suffer need and to be hungry and so forth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And to do it with joy. And, and to do it with thanksgiving. And to do it uh, unto the glory of God. Why? How is that possible? Because we realize the Lord is doing something in me. He's doing something greater. It's not just the fact that you lost your job. It's not just the fact that you lost your home in a flash flood. It's not just the fact that you lost a lot of your possessions. It's not just the, the fact that uh, your spouse died. It's not just, it's, it's a working of the Lord. We know Jesus. We know Jesus Christ. And Jesus allowed my things to be lost in a flood. Jesus allowed me to be uh, to lose that job. Jesus allowed that to happen. Now, if we're in a bunch of rebellion and sin, then there's consequences for our sin and maybe you know we need to repent and get that straight. Sometimes we do suffer because of wrongdoing. That's why Peter says, don't anybody suffer as a murderer, as a, you know, as, as something like that. As a Christian, we can suffer for those things and, and rightfully so. God will forgive even those things and God will restore even from those. But sometimes you're doing just ticking along in life and worshiping God and serving God and and the Lord allows those things to happen. We got to grow up. I need to grow up that this is happening for a reason. It's not just, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this happened. It just hit me out of the blue. You think it hit God out of the blue or did he not see it coming and allow it to happen because he could have withheld it. It's not because he's mean. It's because he's working something more valuable than what I lost and what I'm going through and the fatigue of ripping out floors and so forth and and all that he's working something more valuable and I don't want to waste that opportunity I have many times by the way I have wasted my trials I've wasted what the Lord was wanting to do but I don't want to and we don't always have to and Paul is certainly saying this is something he learned. He doesn't say I'm perfect. He doesn't say I've always been perfect. Obviously, if we learn something, there was some point he didn't know it. And there's some point he did know it. He came to know it. And I would say probably Paul would say he would came to know it increasingly more. You know, like measured. Maybe there were some landmark times where he really took a big leap forward in that knowledge and maybe inched along at times, or maybe he felt plateaued off at times like we do in our Christian walk. But if we'll hang on to the Lord by faith and count it as being so, he's doing something. He's going to do something until we meet him face to face. He's doing something. He's doing something of infinite, unspeakable value in your life and my life. There'll be another trial, by the way. This is not your last trial. This is not your last trial. Don't know, I finally got all that behind me. Whew. You know, and then, and then something else happens and we think, oh my God, now I will never get through this one. I just barely got through that one. 
You're going to get through every one of them, and so am I. And we're going to encourage each other, and we're going to help each other. We're going to get through it. God's going to help us. He's going to, and He is. And I praise God that He does help us and carry us through. Amen? And so we need to know God's Word, but uh, contentment, this contentment comes to the heart of the believer as we're taught by the Lord, as we're in the school of Christ, so to speak, as we're taught by the Holy Spirit. The Lord teaches us. The Lord tests us. Am I making this up? You know the Scriptures. That the trial of your faith, that's a testing, right? It's a, it, one of the words in the Bible is temptation. Not temptation to sin, but a testing. Okay? And the Lord tests His people. Old Testament saints, New Testament believers. You're going through a test right now. Or you just came through a test. Or I promise you, you're about to. It's not gloom and doom. It's just the nature of this life in which we live. This world's not our home. And one of the things that those testings and trials do, it keeps us from being overly attached from the world and the things of the world. And when we start hanging on a little too tight, He'll pop and pry our fingers off of there and say, loosen up a little bit. <laughs> this is not your home. This is not your home. That's your home. And we're seated in t together in Christ Jesus in heavenly places now. He's placed eternity in the hearts of men. Remember our whole series on the, our glorious future. And we're walking in the hope of that now. And so we, it reminds us. So He tests us. He teaches us. Um, he's working in us. And so what, what does this have to do with the cross? I think it's, it's a by measure, little by little, or maybe big steps at a time, dying to ourselves. I always use Abraham as an example. Abraham, God didn't fool around with Abraham. That's a really an amazing thing to me. That whole story of Abraham and his life. He took him from his home and all his kinfolk in a moment. Just go where I'm telling you to go. Leave everything. The land of your nativity, your family, everybody. Take your immediate family and servants and so forth and go. And, and if that wasn't big enough, when he finally had the promised child that came after waiting 25 years, uh, after having received the promise, 25 years before he received the child of the promise, and then he grows to a certain age, and then God says, I want you to offer him as a burnt sacrifice on one of the mountains that I'll show you. He didn't, he didn't say, well, we're going to work some of the, uh, your possessions away from you little by little. Let's just see what it's like to not have all your sheep and your camels and your livestock and your servants and then your home. Like, kind of like with Job, it happened all at once or two, but he just went right to the heart of it with Abraham. He's the father of us all, by the way, the Bible says, how by faith, specifically by faith. Not just Jewish heritage and all that, that, although Christ came from that lineage and had to come from that lineage, but he's the father of us all, the Bible says, by faith. And the Lord went straight to the heart of Abraham and I offer your son, no begging, pleading, no working him up to it. Just do this, Abraham. And, and the Lord, you know, the Bible says that there was two, Jesus marveled at two things. Only two things that I read about in the Gospels where Jesus, he marveled at the unbelief of the people in his hometown when he went back there later as the, in his ministry. And he marveled at the faith of that centurion who was praying for his servant who was homesick. He said, just speak the word. You don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word. He marveled at those two things. So the Bible says that 
that the Lord swore by himself in blessing, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, because you have done this thing, Abraham, and not withheld your only son, who I know you love, because you have done it. Here it comes, Abraham, and the goodness and the blessings of God upon his life. He became the father of these nations and the heirs of, of the promise and so forth. He became that. And we're talking about him tonight in 2021 because he did that. Because you did this, Abraham. So don't just look at the trial as, oh, a terrible trial. God, get me out of it. Do we want to get out of it? Yes. Should we pray to get out of it? Yes. But don't just pray that. Pray, Lord, teach me. I want to learn like Paul to be content because I'm not content right now. But I know that's a life lesson. That's a spiritual lesson. That is a working of Christ. That is a working of the cross in my life. I need to learn it, God. I'll raise my hand first and say I'm not there. Maybe you're farther along than you were 10 years ago in the Lord. I pray you are. I pray we all are. But are we where we need to be? Obviously not because He's still working in us. The potter's still forming the clay. He's not finished to say, oh, you know, I'm done with, with Alberta. I'll just set him up on the shelf and just admire him now. He's still working in our lives. We need to encourage one another. When somebody's down, we help them. We encourage them. We pray for them. But let's also pray spiritually that we would grow from it. That we would move on in the Lord. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And so uh, Samuel Rutherford, talking about the cross specifically, he said, Christ's cross is the sweetest burden that I ever bear. It is such a burden as he's being obviously a little facetious here, such a burden as wings are to a bird or sails to a ship. You know, wings are not a burden to a bird, right? It flies with those things. Sails are not a burden to a ship. That's how it gets where it's going. He says, I look at the cross as what's really is not, people say it's a burden. He says he looked at it and he was persecuted for the Lord. He was in prison for his testimony for Christ. He wrote many things from prison. Um, and he says it's a, such a burden as wings are to a burden because I, he, he gives the idea that it's, it's advancing me in what's really valuable. It's advancing me in what's really important in Christ. And so the, the cross is, is bringing death to ourself. And it's embraced. We, when we embrace the cross and surrender, and it's something we do daily. You don't get saved every day. I say it, I say it all the time. We don't get saved every day. We don't have to go to the cross for salvation but one time. Once we're saved, we're saved. You don't repeat that. We're born again. We're born again. Baby doesn't have two birthdays. You know, they're born on a certain time. We have a spiritual birthday if it's legitimate and real by faith. But we can embrace the cross daily. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He doesn't talk about ever laying it down somewhere and putting it down and taking a break from it. That, that break will come, so to speak, when we see the Lord. That makes heaven sweeter. Amen? That makes that next life with the Lord where He's preparing a mansion and His Father's house for us sweeter. And y'all, we don't embrace the cross. And I'm saying we don't. We should not. And we need to examine our hearts that we don't embrace the cross and just say, well, I guess I just got to bear my cross. And then we hate it. 
That's not, that's not the contentment part that we're talking about, right? And I've met people like that, and maybe there's been times in my life I was that way. Um, where, oh, I just gotta bear my cross. I just, I just gotta do it. And, that's, and it, the, their cross could be an unbelieving spouse. Their cross could be uh, the job that they have that they really don't like and the people they work with. I guess I just gotta bear my cross. Yes, we do have to bear our cross. But the Lord is wanting us to learn, like Paul, I've learned to be content and satisfied when I'm hungry and when I suffer need and when I'm abased. I know what it's like to abound and have success or plenty. And I know what it's like to be abased. And I've learned in every situation, whatever state I am, in every situation, therewith to be content. So it's not just, oh, I guess God's put me through the ringer. I guess i got to bear my cross. There's no guessing about it. We do have to bear our cross. But God help me to bear it. This is where we come to Jesus personally. Lord, help me to bear it with joy. Help me to bear it like my Savior. Help me to bear it like Paul. Help me to bear it like Samuel Rutherford to where I see it as really a vehicle, a tool of Almighty God. That's all the cross really was, right? It was an instrument of death that the Romans had and Jesus knew it and and it was foretold in the Old Testament he was going to die and hang on a tree. But it was, it's really an instrument. We don't worship the cross. We, we, we come to Jesus and we die. And we die daily. And we need that instrument. It's not physical. We're not toting around a cross. It's, it's a recognition that this world is not my home. That the only life that I really have is the life that Christ has given me. The new life that I have in Jesus. And anything that works to advance that life and and put to death that old life that was me before I knew Jesus, that's where the cross comes to play. That's where fasting comes to play, or prayer and the altar, right? You lay everything up on the altar, or sacrifice was put up there. I'm not talking about grain and wheat, we're talking about the brazen altar, where the blood sacrifices were made, where the whole burnt offering, a whole ram was offered. And we put ourselves up there. That's the, like the working of the cross in our lives to bring about that in our lives. And so we don't do it with just uh, misery. I want you to look real quickly at, we've gone to this scripture a lot lately, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're very familiar with this passage talking about the thorn in Paul's flesh. He besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. That's what he says in verse 8. He prayed, God, the thorn in my flesh, ailment, sickness, weakness, infirmity, blindness, whatever people speculate it might be. He besought the Lord three times. God, please take this from me. Please heal me of this another time. And it probably was more longer prayer than that. But Lord, you're the healer. You've used me to heal other people. God, I'm asking and beseeching you by faith. Heal me of this infirmity in my flesh. The Lord spoke to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in what? In your strength. No, my strength, my grace is, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So then here's Paul's attitude. Okay, okay, God, I guess I got to bear my cross. Got to bear this physical ailment the rest of my life, and I'll do it for the glory of God. 
I don't gather that at all. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power, this in place of that, in your weakness, my power. So in order for me to display my power, my power, not human being power, power of the Holy Ghost, the power of Almighty God in you, Paul, and really make it manifest and shine for the glory of God. The way for me to do that is in your weakness. So I need to make you weak. Remember he touched Jacob when he wrestled with God and, and, and like his thigh came, the sinew of his thigh kind of dried up and he walked with a limp the rest of his life. Ask Jacob if he had traded that for anything. Now I'll walk with this limp, limp the rest of my life. God touched me. He prevailed as, as a prince thou hast wrestled with God and prevailed. God, God brought him to a new place. His, that man was never the same after he wrestled with God. Oh, this limp? This is nothing. Let me tell you what God did. Well, I got this limp. I wrestled with Almighty God and prevailed. He wanted me to, and I prevailed. I'll take two limps. If you know, give me one on the other leg. It was so Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. This is not, oh no, I got to bear my cross. Lord did it to me again. Slap me with another trial. Uh, yes, we're human beings. Okay, we're not perfect. They do hurt. I'm not. I'm not mocking that. I'm simply saying that somewhere in that, and I would say sooner rather than later, we need to get to a place with the Lord over that trial. In other words, I need to go to Him and say, Lord, why did my family member depart like that? Why did all my friends leave me? Why did uh, my reputation get uh, shot down like that? Why did this happen? Why did I lose my health? Why did I get cancer? Why did, and we want to be healed someplace in that real quickly, if we're sincere and go to the Lord, He's going to show us. And we say, okay, Lord, I'm ready for this now. Carry me through. Strengthen me. I want to glory in my infirmities. I, I, I want to be like Paul. I'm not that way, God. Can you make me more like that? Can you make me more like Jesus? I'm not ridiculing your trials. Or my trials. We're human beings. They hurt. Okay? They can be devastating. And God, if we'll call upon Him and fall upon Him, He'll scoop us right up. And say, no, this is really not the end of you. There's something much better here if we'll trust Him. Amen? There was... Um, some of you all may have heard of Duncan Campbell, the, the, the minister. Uh, and he, he shares a little story... And it stuck with me over the years that I heard him preaching uh, some segments of a sermon. He talked about a young minister that he knew. When Duncan Campbell was a little older, he knew of a young pastor that was just starting out. And he preached, and it was fine. And the young pastor preached, and Duncan Campbell said that it was fine and everything like that. But he said that years later, Duncan Campbell, many years later, saw this man this young preacher who is now much older, and saw him at a funeral. And he was preaching the funeral of his own wife. And the sermon that he preached, he said, now he's a preacher. In, in other words, it took, it took something 
uh, like that to, to do, uh, I would say, a profound work of God in the young minister's life. It took some seasoning. It took some growing. It took some heartache. It took some trials. It took some uh, dying to yourself. And he preached that sermon. And Dr. Campbell said, now, he's really, you know, this is really what God wanted to do in his life and what he's making him. That can't be uh, swapped out. Well, Lord, I'll take this easier route over here. Or I want you to do the same thing in me, but I don't want the trials to go along with it. The Lord has chosen that way. And who am I as the clay to say to the potter, why are you doing it like this? It is, he's chosen through the fire, furnace of affliction to refine his people. Israel, he's speaking of it, but I would say that would go for, for anyone that is the Lord's. We see it all through the scriptures. And so um, God has to, to work in us. And just a couple more points, and we're, we're about to close. We're not going to be too much longer, but there was uh, a young missionary that was getting ready to go to the mission field. He had just recently not gotten saved, but he just recently surrendered to the Lord, to the call of missions. Like just, just recently said, I'm ready to go take the world for Jesus. And that's wonderful, and that's zeal. Not ridiculing that, but, but there was someone on the mission board saying do, do you, to another person on the mission board, do you really think it's wise to to send out so-and-so to the mission field to, to, in those conditions uh, before rigor mortis is set in, is how he put it. In other words, he's, he's, he's got some more dying to do. And the young missionary kind of caught wind of it or heard about their conversation. and He was a little offended by it and sent back to the older person on the missionary board and said, I'm quite sure that rigor mortis has set in in my life. And this guy responds back and says, I don't mean, we're praying for you, we love you. He hit, this young missionary had just a little bit of initial success. And he says, look, it's the corpse is the only one in the room that doesn't know it's a corpse. In other words, if you think you're dead, then you're probably not dead to the extent that God wants to bring you. It's pretty. It's the truth. You go to a few of the corpses, the only one there that doesn't know it's a corpse. Everybody else knows it's a corpse. And when we start looking at ourselves and saying, I'm so dead to myself, and I'm, I'm so humble, and I'm so Christ-like, and I'm so totally dead to myself, then we probably are not. We probably are not. And I would say... Let the Lord determine that. Whatever, whatever, if you want to call it compliment or honor, may come to you. Let it come from the Lord. Let it come from others in the Lord that would say, you know, that Ethan sure is, uh, I've seen a lot of growth in his life. Rather than Ethan saying, look how much I've grown in the Lord. You understand that the corpse is the only one that doesn't know it's a corpse. The one really dead or more dead to themselves probably doesn't fully realize what God's doing in their life. But the Lord knows what He's doing in our life. And I would say people, like-minded believers in our lives and around that individual would to a great extent be able to see what the Lord's doing in that life as well. 
And that's a good thing. That's the way God wants it to be. Amen? I just thought that was kind of uh, a little bit humorous about a corpse doesn't know it's a corpse. And if it says it's a corpse, corpses can't speak. So uh, it's really not, not that. Let the Lord do that and, and bring about that honor, I guess you would say. I want to read this. I'll just read it myself from Psalm 37. We all know that psalm probably very well. But it says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Verses 5 and 6. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. So doesn't that just fit perfectly with the trials, with the tribulation? Commit your way to the Lord. Are you perfect? Are you already happy because you lost your job? Or happy because you're sick and found out you had cancer? No. But you can say, I'm committing my way to the Lord. I'm going to trust God to do this work in my life. I'm going to go through it by the grace of God because He will uphold me. And He will give me joy in the midst of it. And it will come from Him. It won't come because of my circumstances are all of a sudden perfect. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him. And He shall bring it to pass. And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. The Lord's going to make it all known. He's going to bring us through. We're talking about Abraham now and what they went through and what God did in their lives. We're talking about the Apostle Paul and what they went through and what God made them and did in their lives. And so God is going to do that in our lives as well. Amen. Uh, Death to ourselves, more alive unto the Lord. And y'all, just just in closing, our focus has to be upon Christ. Our focus has to be continually upon Christ. If I take my eyes off of the Lord and start looking at the circumstance, which I do often, daily, probably hourly, and have to get my eyes back on the Lord, okay? Take my eyes off of the Lord and look at the circumstance, or take my eyes off of the Lord and start turning inwardly to pity myself and look at everything, you know, whatever. Look at everything Chris Hudson has and, and I don't have that. Look at everything Bucks. Things are going great for them right now. And I start looking at myself. That's not the working of the cross in my life. I have to get my eyes back onto Jesus. Then I don't realize so much, poor me, because I say, how great thou art. You understand what I'm saying? How great you are. I'm so glad I know Jesus. I'm so glad He's holding me. I'm so glad He knows me. I'm so glad He's carrying me through. I'm so glad He has a purpose in my trial. I'm so glad that this didn't come to stay. It came to pass. I'm not going to always live in a trial. Y'all know that? I'm not going to all. We have a lot of them. We're not always going to live in a trial. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of, of them all, He says. Every single one. So if you've got a, a 99 trials, He's going to deliver you out of 99. However many. The next trial comes, count on it. He's going to deliver you out of it. So our eyes cannot be upon ourselves. Our eyes cannot be on our circumstances. When we do that, we're not learning Christ. We're learning self-pity. We're learning soulishness. We're learning just what the world knows and does. We're learning what nature of Adam all over again when we do that. And it happens in the church. It happens among believers. We're just learning that all over again. We need to allow the Lord to work in us. How I've suffered and and so forth. And we do it, and I do it, 
I do it more like uh, in, in the sense of fretting over something. How, how am I going to fix this? What's the solution? I don't see a solution to that. Do you ever face a trial and you literally don't see a solution to it? I don't know what to do right here. Those are the worst, but there's a lot of those. I literally don't know what, I feel like I've got to do something and it looks impossible and I don't have any way to fix it. Well, when a whole nation was pinned between Pharaoh and the Red Sea, there was no solution. How am I going in the world going to fix this? Don't know what I'm going to do. They've got us. We're done. I don't see any way of escape. Why do you stand here still? Stretch forth your rod and part the sea. And, and the people of Israel went through on dry ground. Tell the people to go forward, Moses. Oh, I didn't see that before. Well, it's there now. Go that way. But it's only the Lord. We have to be looking to the Lord. When Moses was pinned by the Red Sea with the nation and felt the responsibility of the people, which he did because God gave him that responsibility, he turned to Jesus. It's wonderful, one of the wonderful patterns about where we study the life of Moses. Every single circumstance. He wasn't perfect. Every time he's hitting his knees. When the tabernacle was built, he's at the door of the tabernacle. The Lord spoke to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Every time, hitting his knees before the Lord. Don't have any water on his face before the Lord. Don't have any food to eat on his knees before the Lord. If people want to stone me, Korah and the 250 princes of Israel that want to, uh, to kill him, hitting his face before the Lord. That's what we need to do. Every single time there was an answer. Every single time there was a deliverance. Uh, the people are dying from the plague. Moses, he turns to God, what do I do? Take you, make a brazen serpent, put it upon this pole and hold it up. Everybody that looked upon him was healed and the plague was stayed. Who would have thought of that? Nobody. But we can think of, turn, we can think of turning to Jesus, can't we? I have a lot. Those are my worst of all. I don't know what to do, God. I have to do something and I don't know what to do. And the walls are closing in. And they're closing in more. And they're closing in more. And I'm on a deadline or whatever. I don't know what to do. And D-Day is here. Call on the Lord. He's going to get us out of it. He brought them through the Red Sea on dry ground. So I want to, I want to close with this. Andrew Murray said, uh, speaking of the fallen angels, he said, it was when they began to look upon themselves and with self-complacency that they were led to disobedience. When they began to look upon themselves is when they fell. And that, that's when we fall. I'm not saying we fall off into hell. We're Christians. We're born again. But that's where we fall. That's where our weakness comes. That's where we open up a little door for Satan to get a toehold. That's when we open the, the door to uh, dis, distress and discomfort and, and confusion and so forth in our lives. We look upon ourselves. There's no strength in that. There's only weakness in that. We have to look on, unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If our eyes are fixed continually upon the Lord and occupy with the Lord, we're going to be content. So I'm closing. D, you can come, but I want to close with just a few. I jotted down. Uh, five scriptures. I'm just going to read them to you. Because we started with godliness with contentment is great gain. 
Contentment meaning satisfaction or sufficiency. And I wanted to close with this. As for me, David said, I will behold thy face in righteousness. So it's always faith, right? Always something, I will, one day. I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. It's an Old Testament saint that knew a lot of what was going on. Had a lot of revelation from the Lord. He says, I'll be satisfied when I wake with your likeness. Psalm 22, 26. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek Him. Your heart shall live forever. Psalm 36, 8. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Nothing about circumstances. Nothing about situations. It is satisfaction from the Lord that He from His own hand gives. Okay? And it comes through from a relationship with Him. Psalm 63, 5. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise Thee with joyful lips. And the last one. Blessed is the man whom Thou choosest and causest to approach unto Thee. That would be all of us. That he may dwell in thy courts, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy habitation. We're going to be satisfied with the Lord. He satisfies. Paul learned to be content, satisfied in every situation. That what what a valuable lesson. I mean, you couldn't put a price tag on that. Things are taken from me, and yet I'm content. How is that possible? Well, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Oh, the altar's open. I'm going to pray. You just come and seek the Lord for a few moments before we leave tonight and ask God to work this in your life. I know I'm asking Him to work this in my life. 